0: that it's a Bible study. They don't bring their Bibles. So you have to kind of... That'll work? Anything works? Oh, yeah, that's right. And There are a <laughs> few Bibles, too. I yeah. forgot about right for that. For yep.
1: Some places. Oh, I should my watch. Some places, yeah. Oh, okay. Some, some has some a very data. nice, pretty, shiny edge to it. What's that? Your Bible, Your Bible has a nice...
0: You know, I was, given, I was given this as a gift. Um, the music director at my previous parish gave it to me. It's really pretty. And the reason why he gave it to me, one, was to be nice.
1: <laughs> set it on the
2: hymn books. Pastor, set it right here on the hymn books. It'll sit there. There
0: we go. Okay. Uh, one uh, was to be, to be nice, and number two, because I kept borrowing borrowing his. So we just... Bump, bump, bump. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to start right on time. So it is 6:59.
1: Count
0: down. Probably. Okay, it's 7 o'clock. Darren, are we ready? Awesome. All right, well, uh, good to see everybody here. Thanks for coming. Um, Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, and we ask for your blessing to be upon us. Send to us an extra measure of your Holy Spirit so that we might uh, read Mark and inwardly digest these words, these wonderful words that you have written for us. Lord, we pray for our timing, that you would open our hearts and our minds. Lord, we love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what the format of this study is going to be is, I think I mentioned this on Sunday, um, but it's going to be called Read the Readings. And basically, we're going to be taking a look at every week the uh, coming Sunday's lectionary readings. That we would kind of have an opportunity to look at them, study them, and then maybe when Sunday comes, you'll think, oh yeah, we talked about that in class. Um, This is is very much of an interactive study. Um, I really encourage group participation. So um, let's do that. Okay. Uh, So the first reading for this coming Sunday, the lectionary, is from Job, chapter 38 starting at verse 1. So if you can find that, Job chapter 38, verse 1. Job
2: 38, verse
0: 1. It's on page 539. In the, well, I have part, the part that the Bible, that yeah. one. It's right before Psalms.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. Job 38, verses 1
1: through
0: 11. And when somebody gets there, will you read that, please? Job 38, 1 through 11.
1: Well, I will start. Please. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. What? How far did you say? Uh, verse 11, please. I'll read verse 5, and then somebody else can take over. Okay. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it?
0: Somebody pick up a verse 6, please
1: on that where his footing set, or who laid its cornerstone, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said this, when I said this far you may come
0: and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. So what I, I like to do is I like to, and it's just a good practice, not just for pastors but for everyone, is whenever you're looking at a text to look at the context of that particular text. So in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 38, we need to look at the, some of the um, chapters leading up to it and perhaps even a few of the chapters after it. A little bit of pre-context is that what has happened up until this point is that God I'm sorry, that Satan at God's allowance has taken everything away from Job. Um, not only has he taken everything away, but he has caused Job physical ailments as well. He was getting um, boils on his skin that were bothering him so much that he literally takes a sharp rock and starts cutting them off because they're, they're bobbing. Um, he has lost everything, uh, Family, um, his uh, wealth, all of it, and what has happened is, is then um, his wife goes to him and says, "Curse God and die, just be done with it." And then his friends go to him as well, and virtually give him what amounts to the same message. And then Job finally finally goes to God. I think if you go back to, I was uh, looking for it. If you go back to chapter. Thirty-one. You see, there. Job's final appeal is what the heading says in my Bible. Um, so Job kind of goes to God um, and says, "Hey, what, what's going on?" And now, then, we come up to our text in verse thirty-eight, in which the Lord finally answers Job. And the essence of God's message, at least from verses one through eleven, is. Who do you think you are? Which is kind of hard for us to hear, right? I mean, if if we were in the same situation as Job, the last thing that we would want to hear from God is, well, who do you think you are? Um, But nonetheless, these are the words that God has for him. So looking at verses 1 through 11, what sticks out to you? Is there a particular passage? Is there a particular phrase? What sticks out to you in verses 1 through 11? Of chapter thirty-eight. Sorry.
2: Well, I was interested in the brace yourself. Okay. Uh, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's kind of a command. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna question me, then you better have some answers yourself, right? Okay. Good. What else?
1: a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Lord
0: is challenging, you know, where were you? Yeah. Where were you when I laid? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much of a, um, you know, confrontation. He's, he's asking, obviously, obviously Job, Job can't answer these questions. He's, he's asking rhetorical questions. Well, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Oh well, God, I wasn't there. Yeah. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. God, I don't know. And you can almost sort of imagine Job sort of getting lower and lower and lower in his seat or, or whatever it is that or where, wherever it is that, that he's at. Good? Okay. What else?
2: Kind of treating him like a child.
0: Yeah? Okay. And is there any significance in that? Of the Lord sort of treating him childlike?
2: So he's not puffed up. like a child has a false sense of himself. Right, right.
0: My children absolutely do not have false senses of themselves at all. They are... (laughs) Right. Um,
2: That's universal. Yeah, good. That's comforting,
0: actually, yeah.
2: It's almost like Job saying to to God, you know, well, I'm not going to say it that way. I was going to I can boss you, but maybe you can't boss me. Yeah, and I don't think he's, yeah, and I think that
0: um, it's sort of like, uh, was this a test for Job? Yeah, it definitely was, and we know that from the earlier chapters. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if you can say that, that Job, by finally voicing his concerns to God, I don't know if he's failing that. But certainly God wants to remind him of, of what his place is.
1: Well, is, is this the first chapter where the Lord speaks to Job? Because mm-hmm. at, at the title at the top of mine, it says, The Lord Speaks. And yeah. It, it made me wonder if that I looked at chapter 37 and I didn't see anything like that. So this no. is where... Really... No, so this is, right,
0: so, so this is the first time that you know God has been silent this whole time and then finally God answers him and then not only does he answer him, but how does he Jim, out of what? I think who read that? Was it Connie? Your translation said a storm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, mine says a whirlwind. What do some of your others whirlwind. say? Storm, whirlwind. What verse Anybody else? Uh, verse first. one. Oh,
1: first, first. It's
0: just storm. out it's just of storm. the storm. Okay. Yes. So um, you know, it, it, you know, I, I think it's it's again, it can be one of those texts that we it's sort it's, of in, like, um, read. And perhaps if you read over, God is answering him, but he's not just talking to him. There's a raging storm happening while God is talking to him. Um, and I think that's significant too. Anything else on that? Gosh, that what? would scare
2: you if God talked to you out of a tornado. Yeah? Yeah? Well, a tornado would be frightening enough, mm-hmm. but you know, God was in
0: Mm hmm. One of the things that I really like about this text, and this chapter goes on for another how many verses? Um, Forty-one verses, and he keeps going in thirty-nine. Okay, so he go, goes on for seventy-one verses of telling Job, nice. "I'm God, and you're not." Okay, um, a, a, a pretty complete answer, some would say. Okay, um, and what I the, the This text is actually one of my favorite ones because I I love how God, it sort of gives us an insight and some background information on how the world was created. It sort of gives us a peek behind the curtain, if if you will. Um, You know, in in those verses 1 through 11, um, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made clouds its garment, um, when I told it, thus far you shall come and no farther. We don't get that specific language in Genesis. We just get that he created the sea and he created the land and the earth and the sky and, you know, and all this, but we don't get this kind of specifics here. It just, it, it, that kind of makes it one of my most favorite texts.
1: Well, like verse 12, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Yeah. I mean, you
0: know, that's kind of yep. mm-hmm. kind of nicely. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of really something to think about that when the sun rises, God tells it to. When the sun goes down and the moon comes up, that's because God tells it to.
1: Do you think Job maybe grew in his awareness of how big God was? Oh yeah. I mean, he, maybe I, he. Didn't yeah. Quite...
0: I think so, definitely, um, and I think that that is part of the reason for why God answers him in the way that that he does. I mean. He, God could have taken any number of words and just said, Job, just sit down and shut up. stop." Stop. But he didn't. He's giving Job, and it's almost like he's sort of giving Job and this is what it's like to be me. And you're not. So, know your role. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, But now, with that, God doesn't just leave it there. We we know that if you flip to the end um, of Job, that's chapter... Not far. Um, 42. 42, yeah. Um, if you go to the, to the end of... So if you look at 42 there, um, God not only has an answer for Job, but he rebukes Job's friends, too. Okay? He has some words for them as well. And then from 42, 10, through the end of the chapter there, where, where God doesn't just leave Job where he is. Here's... The gospel again is those of you who have heard me say this before, but um, let it be said that there is never any gospel, in, that there is not ever any gospel in the Old Testament. It's everywhere. Okay, it's not just killings and bloodshed, you know, all of that. Um, verse, verse twelve of that, and the Lord blessed the later, the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters, um, etc. And in all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his sons and his sons' sons four generations, and Job died an old man in full of days. So he doesn't just leave Job there, um, but he uh, how would you say, he uh, refills and he refreshes him okay? more than what, than what he originally had. Okay? Any other thoughts on Job before we go on? Um, what's neat about Job is that we're gonna, it has a direct connection to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to see that uh, after we get through with Second Corinthians. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 13. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 13. 2 Corinthians is after 1 Corinthians, for those of you who are. <laughs> oh, thank
2: you for that.
0: <laughs> hey, you never know. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 13. Just a little bit of background into this. We know that this is one of Paul's letters, one of the largest letters that that he wrote. Or sorry, I guess it's more proper to say one of the longest letters that he wrote. And this is the second letter to the church in Corinth. Um, And so will somebody read verses 1 through 13, or start at verse 1 and read however much you want, of chapter 6?
2: As God's partners, we beg you not to reject this marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God said, at just the right time I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation.
0: Okay, somebody pick up there.
2: We put no stumbling block in anyone's past so that our ministry will not be discredited.
0: Okay, somebody pick up, please. Verse, verse 8. B- verse A. A. Through honor and- Okay, Uh, what stands out to you in these verses? What did you pick up on? He's
2: just saying in all circumstances, God was humbling Mm himself.
0: Good, okay. Notice how specific he gets in verse 4. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. It's almost like he's done this. He has. So he knows. Verse 6 By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. He's getting pretty specific there. Okay? And the reason why he, he can do that, again, is, is because he's lived it. He's lived in afflictions and calamities and beatings and imprisonments and riots and labors and sleep of nights and hunger. He's done it. When you... I guess, l- let me ask this question. What, what makes... When you're listening to, to somebody or reading... An article. Okay, what makes the author or the speaker credible in your eyes? So there. Let's let's say that um, I don't know. Let, let's make up a, a phony example. Let's say that um, uh, Sam has gone to uh, Sam has gone to. Uh, sorry, my mind isn't clear. Um, what's the tallest mountain Everest. Um, let's say that, that, that Sam has gone to Mount Everest and he comes back and he records his experience and he says um, that certain things happened at that, on that experience. How do you believe it?
1: Things that you can most relate to yourself.
0: Okay, all right, go on more about that. What do you mean?
1: Probably things that you have experienced yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, good, okay. What else? What would make Sam a credible author? Because, I mean, obviously we haven't been to Mount Everest, so at least not, not, not with him. And so what makes his accounting, his recounting of his experience credible? The fact that he was there? Yeah. Okay? The fact that, that he was there. And he survived. And he survived.
2: He overcame. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? So similar with, with, with St. Paul... You know, he's not just writing about. You can. Paul, in, in every letter that, that Paul writes, he never wastes a word, not anywhere. Every single word that, that he writes is for a purpose. And the rhetoric that he uses, not just in these, not just in this letter, um, but in every letter that, that he writes, he writes it for a specific purpose, for a reason. Um, and you can really hear uh, the passion for which he is writing these particular verses. And what makes him credible and what makes his passion credible is because of the fact that he's been there. He's endured the hardships and the beatings and the sleepless nights and the hunger, etc. Okay? Good. What else in 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 these 11 verses stands out?
2: we well, we serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to be faithful to God and to love Jesus when the people around you are mocking
0: you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we aren't, and we aren't being imprisoned for what we believe. You know, and, and yet it's, you know, it's still difficult.
2: There's all kinds of prisons.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else in these verses?
2: He doesn't leave it as, you know, all of the, the bad things. Mm-hmm. Good. Says, and yet we live on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yet, the gospel will be proclaimed. Um, why do you plant a church? Don't think too hard. Why? Why? Why do you plant a church? To spread the gospel. Yeah. So that the people. So, so let's say that that we decided to plant a church in Stott City. Okay. Well, the reason why we plant a church there is so that the people in Stott City and perhaps the people who live a little bit closer there have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Okay? Um, the reason why Paul planted churches is for the singular reason because this gospel that he felt so passionately about that he himself witnessed um, he wanted more and more pe- people to know about that. He wanted more and more people to know about this Jesus. Okay. Good? What else? trying to find the, I'm looking at in my Bible, that in verse 2, I'm trying to find where that comes from. It says, I have an F there. i to figure out where that is. Decided from, oh, Isaiah 49.8. So maybe keep your finger in Second Corinthians and go to the left to Isaiah 49.8. If you hit Exodus, you've gone too far. Isaiah nine eight is where that quote comes from.
2: This is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you, and on that day of salvation, I will help you. That's what it said.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and so how does that, so the context for Isaiah 49 uh, is is uh, the servant of the Lord is what the title there there says, but of course that chapter is talking about Jesus. Okay, he made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver, he hid me away, and he said to me, "You are my servant, Israel, and whom I will be glorified." Okay, good. Okay, so let's go back to Second Corinthians verse 1 again, working together with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says in a favorable time I listen to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold now is the favorable time. Why do you think Paul says that now is the favorable time? Why not? Why why didn't he he say something like hey you know you guys have a a week. Why, Why didn't he say that? Or why do you think he didn't say that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good, okay. Which is probably near. Okay. Even, in, even in Paul's, Paul's day, um, they didn't know when Christ was, was going to return. The disciples, at least, thought that his return was going to be in their lifetime. But of course, that didn't happen. So Paul is saying, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We didn't put any obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants, we commend ourselves in every way because now is the time to hear the gospel. Now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation.
2: Well, you want to hear about it before you die.
0: Sure, yeah, right. Because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We, we don't know what the next 10 minutes is going to hold. Okay. I mean, God forbid that this would happen here, but did you guys see what happened with the Lutheran Church in St. Charles, the roof? I mean, imagine if that was on a Sunday morning. You know? So now is the favorable time. Now is the, is the day of Salvation. Oh, you know. So, um, a, a Missouri Synod church in St. Charles—I forget what day it was on, but it wasn't on a Sunday morning um, or a time when anybody was in the sanctuary. But a huge section of the roof completely fell off. Um, okay, fell in.
2: Fell. Caved in. Fell, fell in. in. Yeah, yeah. And just a known it just cause? Did,
0: huh?
1: A known cause?
0: Um, I don't know if they identified a cause. Um, I would have to go back and read the article again. Nothing that I can remember anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know, although it, it did kind of get me to thinking, how long has our church been inspected? As <laughs> <That's> well, 142 <laughs> years ago. That it was done? <laughs> well, seriously, though, we should really get that done. <laughs> um, okay, good. Anything else on 2 Corinthians 6? Something that oh, Great,
2: i worry about that I'll
0: Oh, no, it's fine, I'm sure.
2: It looks sound to me. It, it was looks much, That was much
0: older church. I'm sure it's fine.
2: I've been in some that I kind of wondered about.
0: Yeah, you never know. Okay. All right, let's go to Mark then, the last one, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. This will also be the sermon text for Sunday. Which verses, please? Uh, Mark 4, 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. When somebody gets there, will you read that please?
2: That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown?
0: Got Ooh, a, a cliffhanger. I like that. <laughs> what does he say? David, tell us, what does he say? <laughs> Sorry, I messed you up. I didn't mean to do <laughs> that. <laughs> no, uh, to 41, please. going on in this passage, we're going to unpack it a little bit. I want to save some for Sunday, but um, we're going to unpack it a little bit. So let's kind of do our practice of what's going on around it. So let's go turn the page if you need to. Um, In chapter four, Jesus is uh, telling several different parables. You see the parable of the sower. Um, And while he's teaching on the parable of the sower, he's teaching beside the sea, as it says in verse one. Um, he gives another parable about a lamp under a basket, another parable about a seed growing and the mustard seed. We talked about those two Sundays ago. Okay. Uh, if you even go back a little bit further, uh, you see there in chapter 3 the account of the man with the, the withered hand. Large crowds begin to follow him. Um, who are Jesus' mother and brothers? And he's continuing to uh, speak, obviously, through chapter 4. So in verse 35, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So he's now going to go from one side of the sea to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. Okay. Um, I'm curious to know if you picked up on, on what I did. What stands out to you in this text? If there was one thing about this text that stands out, out to you, what, what would you say?
2: Just as he was.
0: Just as he was, okay, good. That's not what I picked up on, but good. The thing that stands out to me is that the disciples said they didn't really know, know who Jesus was at that time. Mm. Okay, good, okay. Who is this? Mm-hmm.
2: You mean that he's already in a boat to begin with? Is, is that what?
0: You're getting warmer.
1: He wanted to leave the people. He wanted to get away from the Yeah. What else? <laughs> you might have to give us a hint. But I don't want to give you a hint. I want you to because guess. Because there's... No.
0: He
1: was asleep. He was asleep.
0: For heaven's sakes, the man is asleep.
2: <laughs> On a cushion. <laughs>
0: On a cushion. It's almost like, Jesus, I hope you're comfortable. Meanwhile, we're going to die. <laughs> Right? So, Jesus is asleep. There's this this huge storm that comes up. Odds are, they were not on a Carnival Cruise Line-sized boat. They were in a a pretty tiny boat. And this huge storm comes up on the sea, and the the disciples, (laughs) like any of us would be doing, I would, are freaking out. They're going to die. Right? and they they look over and this guy who by this time they really don't know a whole lot about yet they just know that they want to keep following him okay he's asleep
2: of course he while is while this asleep. whole is thing is happening he's been busy he's talking well yeah
0: right so so he's tired right which is kind of neat because it, it shows us it shows us his Human humanity. humanity okay that's important so a great windstorm arises, and the waves were breaking in the boat, so the boat was already filling. There's water coming into the boat. How many of you have ever been in a boat that, that was filling with water? Okay. It, it's a little unnerving. A little bit. Yeah? I okay. Were you in the boat with what I <laughs> Okay. So the boat is filling with water. Um, where were you guys? Were you guys out? Stockton Lake. The middle of it or, or something? Uh, we got caught in the storm. Oh, had to go back to the dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, so you know it exactly. Okay, so there's this big storm coming up. The disciples are freaking out, and Jesus is sleeping. Which, as I was reading commentaries on this, a lot of them asked a very good question. Why is he sleeping? Why do you think he's sleeping? Or I guess another way to ask it is how can he sleep? He has nothing to fear, to why? That's but great- why doesn't he have anything to fear? Okay. Yeah? Okay, he doesn't, all right, so Jesus certainly has faith, okay? But let me probe a little bit more. Why does Jesus have faith?
2: Well, he knows he has something he's going to be doing, and he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't accomplished the reason for being
0: here. And what, yeah, and that, of course, is, is the is, cross, yeah. okay? So, not to give away a little of my sermon, but I'm going to. Jesus knows he's not going to die in a boat. He knows that. And he knows that because, of, of, because he knows what the Old Testament says. The Old Testament says that he, that the Messiah is not going to die in a boat. He's going to be crucified. Okay? So that's, that's one thing. That's one reason why Jesus can sleep. What's another reason why he can sleep? What do you think?
1: He knows he has the power to quiet the storm. Yeah.
0: He was there at the beginning. This is, what, this is how the Job text fits in. He can answer the questions that Job can't, right? Okay, So, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Yeah, I was. Were you there when I set it up on its, what was, I forget the, the word, when I set it up on its um, axis, access. Access, yeah, the, the pillars or the supports, right, whatever it was. Um, yeah, Jesus can say that he definitely was. So he is not worried, a, because he knows that he's not going to die in a boat, and b, because he is the he was there. He was the the word that was spoken that made that spoke creation into existence was him. We know that from John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Okay. So. Jesus is sleeping. He has two very good reasons for why he, he can't sleep. And it almost kind of makes you wonder, well, what was he like when he was finally roused? Was he crouchy? Why are you bothering me? You know? Um, it doesn't say. Um, but, he was a, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And the English doesn't, doesn't really give that justice um, it's like, are you kidding me? Do something. We're dying. And it was, it's, it's forceful, okay? And he awoke and, re, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So he's asserting his authority over creation. Okay? Peace, be still. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still you no know, faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples are filled with fear twice. The first time was with storm. the storm. And the second time was was when what happened? What did they see?
1: Yeah. They see this guy that they really don't
0: know all that well yet. Get up and tell the storm and no in certain terms, you be quiet now. Okay. Uh, and in 41 they're they're filled with great fear. They I can't use the language here, they were really, really scared. They were terrified. Filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is who who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. He's giving them clues as to who he is. He's not just some guy, he's not just another prophet, because who among the, the prophets can tell the wind and the waves to be quiet? Well, none of them. Okay. Um, at least not without God's help. Obviously, Moses did. He, he separated the sea, but not without God's help. Okay. Um, he's doing this of his own accord. Good, okay. What else about this text? And it's interesting too that you you mentioned that when the when the greatest test of their faith came, what did the majority of them do? They left. left. Even the one who said, Lord, I will never leave you, Peter. They left. Okay.
2: I would think you would want to say, children, children, children. Mm.
0: Right. What if Jesus wasn't in the boat? What if the disciples were just by themselves? What if he wasn't in the boat? They
1: would
0: probably drown, yeah. Probably.
1: Okay. It's just like us not having Jesus in our
2: lives.
0: Well, yeah, and we're gonna kinda talk about that on Sunday. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there, a cliffhanger. Right? Okay? <laughs> Alright? But but you're right on. Okay? Um, yeah, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What you will find throughout the Gospel of Mark, and, and it, it needs to be said that each of the Gospel writers, they each have their own agenda. Um, Matthew is writing to Jews, and so the purpose for him in his writing, his agenda, is to convince people, is to convince Jewish people that the Messiah has come. Uh, Mark uh, is sort of um, kind of a, a reader's digest version of, of everything that Jesus just did, nonetheless as important. Um, but in Mark's gospel, you, you, you'll see, so in in chapter five, what is the immediate next thing that happens? He does what?
2: Miracle.
0: Another Can miracle. Sounds- Bonnie, what happens after that one?
1: Feels,
0: Another feels, miracle. What happens after that?
1: Heal the huh? man with the demon. Huh? Heal the man with the
0: demon. Good. Okay. Another miracle. Okay. Flip over to verse, I'm sorry, flip over to chapter 6, starting at verse 30. What happens in verse 30? Oh. Yeah. What happens after that? Are you, are you getting the hint? He's Lord. And so Mark is showing his readers that this Jesus, I mean, not only is he m- Messiah, but just so that you know, he is Lord over all. And Mark is highlighting these particular, you know, because not every gospel has the same events. For Mark's purposes, he is highlighting these miraculous events to show that Jesus is Lord over all. Creation. He is Lord overall. He's healing people. He's feeding 5,000 people with uh, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. And then he goes, Oh, and by the way, I'm going to walk on water too. Okay. Good. Anything else? Going back to chapter 4 in our text, what else in that text?
2: Well, one of the things that Jesus says that's really for us now when we have things that come up in our lives, why are you so brave? Do you still not have faith in me? Mm-hmm. And that can apply to us now. Sure. After all that we've seen, learned, and studied.
0: Yeah, and I think that, I, I think you're right, and I think that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, about this on Sunday, but I think that we kind of have to be careful with with that, too, because... it's okay to be scared you know um, I just I, I just talked to somebody this past week who's very very scared and um, you know and this this person is a believer knows that Jesus is is there that doesn't make them any less scared so is it about faith yeah um, I think it's more about I, th- I think it's less about our lack of faith and more about why we can trust. I think it's, it, if that makes sense. Do you kind of see the difference? Okay, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, all of it, and to, now, let's be clear, that doesn't mean that our, that our lack of faith that God is okay with that, because he's not. Okay, um, that, that, that shows a, um, on whatever terms, um, shows, I don't, I don't know if it shows a, a, a lack of faith, but it certainly shows a concern about um, gosh, I'm really not sure what's going to happen here. Okay. Um, but again, I think, it's, I think it's less about the fact that the disciples didn't have any faith and more about the fact that who was in the boat with them and why they could trust. Because it's very difficult to to talk to people and explain to them know you know, if, you know I, again I mentioned this in my in my sermon but um, many of us have said either to ourselves or to others or, or to kids especially you don't have any reason to be scared because because of this or you don't have any any, any reason to be scared to do this or whatever it is um, that's very easy for us to say but Jesus is one who can really say it really don't have any reason to be scared but
1: we all have a boat Mm -hmm. but we all have a boat yeah
0: yeah um i would call the boat that we are in being baptized because that means that that he's there and that means that he's with us and that means that he's living here good anything else on, on that or any other thoughts that have
1: I'll be glad to hear your sermon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, definitely say a prayer. I haven't finished it yet. But it's, it's gonna, yes, uh, please. I
1: agree that Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross, but I think I would gave him peace was he knew he was in God's will. I'm uh, uh, oh, sorry. He he, re, he knew he was in God's will. Yeah. He, uh-huh. was doing, he came to do the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. And whenever we're in that situation, Yeah. You know, you're safer than if you're
0: home in your bed if you're doing what God's wanting you to do. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it, what you said also kind of on a little bit different slant, but what you said also reminded me of um, in Matthew 4 where Jesus is being tempted by Satan, and Satan says, you know, if you throw yourself down from here, which would kill him um, in theory. Um, Satan says, if you throw yourself down from here, then I'll give you everything that, that you want. Well, again, that's, Jesus knows what his plan is, and throwing himself off of a high place to die is not how he's supposed to die. There's a reason. The, the cross has a reason. Okay? The specific reason is just because it, it's prophesied about in the Old Testament. And if Jesus is not the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, he's no Messiah at all. Um, because then, then really the story just doesn't make sense. Some guy who died on the cross two thousand years ago. Good. Anybody else thoughts or questions on that? Uh, Next week, Thursday, same time and place. We ended a little bit early, but that's okay. Yeah, next week Thursday, same time and place. Um, Again, remember to bring your Bibles. And I don't know what I haven't looked that far ahead. I don't know what the the texts are for next week. um, Yeah, let's close with the Lord's Prayer.
1: Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom
0: come. Thy Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
2: Give us this day our daily bread, and And forgive us our our trespasses. trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and, and power, and, and the glory, forever and ever, ever.
0: Amen. Have a blessed rest of your week and weekend. And I'll see you all, but I don't see before, I'll see you Sunday. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks also to everybody listening on the podcast. Have a blessed day.
1: Thanks, Pastor.